Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals with my co-host, Seth Cox, from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original, breakdown, original draft breakdown podcast. It is preseason week. This is episode 449. Guys, if, like, if you've been listening and you haven't subscribed yet, please do. This, we're, this, we're nearly at... 450 shows but anyway Seth we we're actually wrapping up training camp so by the time this hits we're recording Tuesday night the Cardinals have one public practice left on Wednesday and then we'll have their preseason game on Friday and then we'll go back to the bubble back to Tempe um, getting ready for the, the final two preseason season games and then the roster cuts and all that can you believe that we're like there already? Yeah, it's just going to be really interesting this year with the one cut down date, right? Like, it's just going to make our job easy slash hard yeah. all at once, right? It, well, like, I wonder if teams will still because teams would there would be a handful of players, and I think they yeah, do usually, it kind of out of respect for the players to. I was gonna say usually veterans, right? That, that yeah, they're like, oh, you're not gonna make the roster, so or or a young guy that they were particularly fond of. They're like, let's let's see if you can get latched, you can latch on somewhere before cut downs or whatever. But yeah, and like maybe that'll still happen. But you know, honestly, I I kind of get why they do this is because when you had to cut down the roster to seventy five, and then play a final preseason game where you weren't playing 20 of your guys anyway, it made it very, very difficult to manage your roster for that. You know, basically that that final preseason game, it is a bit of a joke of a game, but, you know, it's that it's that final audition for all those guys that are about to be cut. Right, and you look at it and you think about it, and, you know, it's one of those situations where with the 17 games, I know they cut it down to 13, it just feels like it would make sense to get to 12, right? And and space out the games and, and do one, you know, like this weekend and then have like a mini bye week, do one the next Thursday and Friday and then give you 10 days really to get ready for, for the start of the season. But, you know, they still want those 20-game <laughs> ticket packages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well yeah, I will say this, that I'm I'm so pleased so pleased about how they changed the schedule around to where cut down day, like roster cut downs is not as a Saturday. I know this, I know, this, right? this, this is just 
this is, you know, media complaining because the Cardinals on a Saturday afternoon would have all of the reporters hostage on a Saturday yeah. afternoon where they got plans with their families. You know, one o'clock is cut down day, but then they wouldn't release their cuts till like after 4 p.m. It was just I would say they're, they're the four o'clock. So. <laughs> and so now it's on a Tuesday, you know. It, it comes at a decent hour. You know, we're doing our regular, jo- our, our, our primary jobs. And then at, you know, oh, we'll just get the roster cuts. And usually it's already about the time and it's, it, it works out. So we are, none of you guys will care about that. I mean, just we're, this is that beginning part of the podcast where you probably are always scrolling forward about three minutes in until we actually get the meat and potatoes. And, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to actually talk about this preseason game. We've got three main topics that we're going to go over. We will have a second show this week. I'm going to try and get on that. that will probably be a solo show where I focus on the preseason opener, what we want to see, any any last news that are coming up. I'll record that either Wednesday night or Thursday night so that it's fresh for you guys to listen to on game day on Friday. But So first topic we're going to talk about is because uh, there was a roster move. We'll talk rather than talking about, so we've got the depth chart we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Isaiah Simmons and some comments he made when he spoke to the media uh, about his position change and and also about the depth chart but let let's lead with with the addition of a running back we we kind of have been waiting for an addition to the running back room for months when it felt like there's no way they're just going to go into the season with James Conner and a bunch of guys who have proven nothing in the NFL. As much as you know, people like Keonta Ingram, Corey Clement's basically a special teams guy. He's had a couple hundred rushing yards in his season, but didn't didn't we didn't it feel like we were just waiting for the day when they signed Kareem Hunt? That's what we all thought. We, Kareem Hunt was the name that made sense. He was at the Browns with the Jupetsing, like he kept going unsigned, and so it just felt that. But it wasn't Kareem Hunt, and the name that we got is Marlon Mack. Um, how surprised were you, or, or how how long had you been waiting for a veteran back, and how surprised were you that it was Mack that they signed? I was a little surprised. I mean, um, I guess he was there when Jonathan Gannon was in Indy, correct? So that Yeah, he was he was I, there in that in, well in fact his two good years in 2018-2019 were when Gannon was there in Indy. Yeah, and he was he was there. <clears throat> so you know, it does make a little bit of sense at least he has some familiarity um I mean, obviously, Hunt with Petzing. Let me ask you this. I mean, is that a an indictment of of Hunt, or what? What maybe um, Petzing thought of Hunt that that that's where they went instead? I mean, because I think it comes me- down to. Money. what the contract numbers come out because he was in new orleans was about to do the workout the indy called offered him more money if we once we find out what the contract was that might make all the sense like if it's a three I mean, four million dollar or even a two and a half to four million dollar deal i'm pretty sure all knack is getting is the league minimum well and we have to be completely honest too i mean this guy hasn't been good and in four seasons so i mean that's the since that 2019 season he hasn't really been any good and so he's dealt with a lot of injuries and stuff so i don't even know if this was this was more just like a 
let's see what he's got. Type right, right, right. I, I couldn't like I couldn't tell with him that once we get the contract numbers, it might make a little bit of sense. Like we got the numbers in for for um, Jeff Swain, the tight end that they got, and he got a and it wasn't an expensive deal, but he got what I think three hundred fifty, four hundred fifty thousand in in yeah. guaranteed money and in a signing bonus, and it was one point seven million for the year, which is half what he made last year. But that wasn't just a league minimum. Like even Pat Elfline. It was a pocket, you know, it was a, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, now granted, we're talking tens of thousand dollars. Uh, I think it was like a $25 signing bonus. Like, woohoo, that, that sounds like nothing NFL-wise. We know that 20, someone gave us $25,000 here to sign. Like, that's absurd. <laughs> but, and then he gets a, a roster bonus if he makes the team. But there's, there's like no risk. With Elfline. Swain, they're counting on. Elfline, it doesn't sound like they're counting on him. They're, they're just like, you're going to compete and we'll see what happens. Mac, I'm interested to see where the numbers come in because I think Kareem Hunt, once we can find those numbers, is that we'll realize the reason why Hunt wasn't signed is because he was playing the long game. He didn't want to sign for the league minimum. He wanted to sign for something more than that. And, and they needed like a team had to have a need for that to happen, and it just happened to be that Alvin Kamara got suspended three games. You know Benjamin, you know tore his Achilles, and then that created just enough leverage for him to get a better offer from Indy. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where Hunt ends up. I assume by the time this is released, we will probably know. But if not, you know it's a fun conversation to have. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> It, it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of works out and, and how the running back room looks on day one because I think most of us are expecting, what, 80 to 90% usage from from James Conner oh, this year. Which worries me to freaking heck. Well, yeah, because he's never been able <laughs> he's to never, just... It was like, some, please, please have something. Here's the thing. Like Marlon Mack, and and after the signing happened, now I remember I remember Indy Marlon Mack. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a nice signing. And then the the buzz online is like, we've got our number two back. And then I looked up the numbers since 2020. Now, granted, he tore his Achilles in 2020. And then that, that that's that's hard. So it's hard to come. But since and, 2020, and it, can be, it can be a two year fifteen kind of games, fifteen games since 2020. 211 yards 15 games 211 yards he's he's basically that thousand yard season that usage that he got i don't know if the if the usage is related to then the injury the next year but the wheels fell off of his career and and here's the day here's the sad thing you know we're recording on tuesday night what happened tuesday he got hurt on his third day of practice and Walking boot on his left, so it sounds like it's on a walk. It's probably an ankle, so it looks like he he injured his his left ankle, and whatever that means, unless it's oh, like remember when Corey Peters signed, he had recovered from the one Achilles, and then before he'd even played a game with the Cardinals, he blew out his other Achilles in in training camp. Right. Let's let's hope it's not that, but well, and you mentioned the fifteen games, but more of an indictment than the fifteen games is this dude has 48 carries the last three years it wasn't 15 oh, games look, wasn't like 15 of those in one game for the 49ers last year 
Yeah, probably. Let me look real quick. I got his whole career pulled up. So, I mean, it just makes it one of those situations where, so he had last year, no, he didn't have any for the 49ers. It was the year before. Oh, okay. In Indy, he had 10 carries. So he had four carries in 2020. That's when he blew the Achilles. He then had, he then. Last year, he didn't have more than five carries in a game. In a game. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it just feels like a lot to ask him, right? (laughs) And and, 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 like, undoubtedly, a healthy Mac is probably their best non-James Conner option. Probably. But the problem is. Yeah, we just haven't seen it in right. four years. Now, granted, I like it was the signing because they were just like Keontae Ingram's been out. Now he's going to, you know, good old Jonathan Gannon telling us, you know, he's he's got a nick. You'll see him back out there soon. He's so bad. Like, come on, JG. Stop that. <laughs> like, stop that. I mean, you don't have to tell us injuries. The league doesn't require it. But what, why not? Why not? So, yeah, so Ingram's out right now, Max out, and so you're left at the, in this. As we're coming on preseason week, you've got Corey Clement, Tyson Williams, Amari DeMarcado, and James Conner, and I don't want to see James Conner take more than a couple of series. I guess Tyson Williams. We're going to see a healthy, healthy dose of Tyson Williams and Amari DeMarcado. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, you want to get those guys a look – you don't want to overwork Ingram either, so it'll just be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out, right? Yeah, and um, I honestly, but, I doubt that Ingram even plays because he's been out for the last week and a half. Yeah, that's that's no good. But so Mac, I like ish, I like ish the the move. I wish they had gotten somebody more reliable. I guess. Yeah, just healthier. I mean, we can say that just somebody that's been healthier the last couple seasons like when you're when you're talking about usage and we're talking the insane usage that is being thrown around with um james connor you just want somebody that you can trust and then somebody that you can that you can rely on to be healthy. And so, you know, Ingram's one of those guys you just can't trust because he's never done it in the NFL. And again, we haven't seen, we haven't seen a healthy um, Marlon Mack in, in since, since 2019. 2020, 2019. So like he played the one game in, I think in 2020 before the Achilles went out, but geez. And so, yeah, I'm like, nice. If, if, and, and and this is something you say, injured players stay injured. And and running back is a position that I don't I, I have to look and Blake's probably got this somewhere, but once a running back starts suffering injuries, they, they don't come back. They're they don't really bounce back to the previous level. They basically stay banged up for that's what it feels like for the rest of their career. Right. And it's just it's just the wear and tear. So we'll see how, you know, like we said, we'll see how it works out, but it's just an interesting an interesting decision to make based on um what we've been kind of talking about. Yeah. Cut on next on the Rise of Seward podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the way. Let's talk about the depth chart. Um what 
if anything is surprising, if there's anything that, that stands out, that's coming to next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals stock on the web. The Cardinals released their first depth chart of the preseason. Technically, it's unofficial. Um, it's put together by the media relations team, which I'm sure has a little bit of input from the coaching staff, but doesn't necessarily reflect what it is. Um, Wait, I thought this was the official, official thing. <laughs> well, it's always, it's the Cardinals depth chart is released by the team, but they're always considered, even during the regular season, I guess they're considered unofficial. Right. They're prepared this like as prepared by the teams. So this is like Chris Melvin and and, and Imani Suber putting this together and Mike Helm. They're putting it together as opposed to the, you know, the actual, you know, coaching staff putting it together. So for me, there weren't many surprises. I mean, the first thing that stands out is Clayton Toon right behind Colt McCoy, but that's the way it's been practiced. So there's nothing there is surprising to you, is there? No, I mean, not really. You've got, you know, the expectation of of McCoy and Toon, and the question becomes, can Toon overtake him? And and that's really, I think, the only question at this point is, um, can Clayton Toon overtake Colt McCoy to begin – this season not this isn't you know for down the road just for the season yeah yeah and that that's true and, and so far we'll see how that goes um what i found interesting look at the offensive line that the offensive line depth chart almost is a perfect match to what we saw or what we see in practice i was gonna say on a day a day-to-day basis yeah it, it really is just that like really the only changes that the only flip-flopping i've seen from day to day the starting five humphreys wilkinson froholt hernandez and and johnson there we go there's been a couple of flip-flops like kelvin beach is lifted to right tackle josh jones at left tackle on the second team both of them for a couple of practices or once or twice have switched sides makes sense there was one day when pat elfline who's number three center got reps with the number two offense instead of Gaines, and Gaines moved over to right guard. But, like, the times, the when the both times I was at practice, and this is interesting to me, is that Pat Elfline, who I guess when he was signed, we're like, oh, he's probably the starting center. He's not even surpassing the rookie right now. And, no, it seems... and, and that's okay because, as you know, as starter-capable as he is, his biggest problem is the fact it's like Marlon Mack. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, and you look at it, I mean, the what we said about Elfline was we expected him to start, but it looks like the biggest thing is that he's there kind of a breaking case of emergency type of thing, right? Like there's no reason to bring him in if if Froholt or or Gaines are doing the job, yeah, so and be... I think that's kind of what it is. Okay, they've liked what Froholt's done in the off season. Now let's make sure he doesn't goof it up in during the preseason. Yeah, and and that's the big thing now. Um, looking at the then nothing surprises me about the receiver depth chart. Um, honestly, because you've got 
Hollywood Rondell and Zach Pascal. That's what we expected. Now, the only maybe the only thing that's surprising is what they list as their starting offense is they listed with eleven personnel, just one tight end, which that you know that's neither here nor there. When it comes to starts, it's based on your first play, and so they might go like that's how you get sometimes like a random backup offensive lineman with a start because they came in they, they their first play they ran like a jumbo tight end package where they had an extra blocker or one time. Um, there was one offensive line the Cardinals had one year who started because the first play he was in as a fullback. <laughs> so right. starts are weird, but like that, like the, your top three, Hollywood, Rondell Moore, Zach Pascal, Pascal, that makes sense until Michael Wilson can do everything Pascal can. And Pascal's had a great camp. Um, so it, it, it's just going to be a matter of time before Wilson surpasses Pascal, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, and this isn't a shot at anybody else, but it, um, Wilson's looked like one of the best players at camp um, a lot of the time. And, and that's, I mean, that's a good thing. That's what you want, right? You want these guys to come out, play well, and things like that. And so it's it's good to see and, and good to to see him be able to do it throughout camp thus far and, and like uh like Gannon said, like the big thing is now doing it when he has to do it against other teams. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's been what we've talked about, the one kind of thing we've said, right? Don't um Don't read too we, much into when they're playing their teammates. Right, because it may be the fact that the corners are bad or maybe the <laughs> fact that you know uh like we said the like your example all the time is brandon, brandon williams, williams. <laughs> and then and then it ended up being that that was actually really bad because uh that showed that michael floyd couldn't play anymore so we we're like oh crap so yeah like brandon williams gets benched after one week michael floyd is is a disaster that year oh my gosh Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's all it takes is, you know, so don't get overly excited. So, but then also it's still the preseason. So don't, you know, don't freak out if he, he's not the best <laughs> wide receiver on the field. Like that's okay too. Like there, we can, we can have the conversation about being in between somewhere in between there. I found it interesting that at least with the running backs where they had Marlon Mack, they shoved him all the way at the back. Cause so he was came, he came in and signed and had, and does not appear, at least right now, to have any sort of expectation of making the roster. Because, like, on the other side, Jeff Swaim, he's right behind Trey McBride. And so, like, Swaim was signed with the intention he's going to be on the roster and have a, have a role. Marlon Mack, thus far, not maybe so much. No, I, I was excited. It's a bummer he got hurt because I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for the Marlon Mack love in the preseason. Because this was <laughs> this it was like we had back in 2017, the summer of Blaine Gabbert. When you've got a talented, like a guy who's done it, who's talented, and then because of where he's at in his career, he's now playing in the preseason. You know, Marlon Mack looked great in, in the red and white practice, but in fairness, he was going against he was going against second and third team defense players on the Cardinals roster, and. He had fresh legs. It was for his first practice after the rest of the team had was on a six-day practice week. 
in the second week of training camp. And so, of course, he looked good. Of course, did I? Did I write about how Marlon Mack looked good in red and white practice? Of course I did. But I get to the caveat. Well, there's reasons why. And and I couldn't wait to see him in the preseason to stand out and be like, see, he's ready. He's cut. He's back. Well, no, he's just, you know, going against second and third teamers, honestly. Just like the summer of Blaine right, Gabbert. Gabbert, sh- Gabbert right. was supposed to look like the best player of the field, and he did. That He did exactly what he was supposed to do that preseason. Exactly. Um, the defensive side of the ball is interesting. The, like for, for, for anything else for me, defensive line makes no sense at all. Um, I, I actually, it doesn't make sense. Like, Richard Lawrence is listed as the third-team nose tackle when he has... Now, I will say this. In, in the times I've seen practice, the first-team defensive linemen, they've been all over. Like, they've had all, like, literally, they don't know what they're doing. Not, not that they don't know what they're doing, but they don't know who's going to be in there. Um, because I've seen, I've seen Jonathan Led like, Jonathan Ledbetter and Richard Lawrence, I saw the most as, like, the first. Like, they came out as the first, first-team defensive line. They added Lucky Foto for a package. Then another time was LJ Collier and Eric and 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 Eric, and Eric Banks. They had a Carlos Watkins. I saw a little Kevin Strong, but like a nose tackle, Lecky is the number one. Then Kevin Strong. Then Richard Lawrence. And I just I, the one that's the one area where I'm like, this is super interesting as to what the per the perception of the offensive line is and the defensive line because one Carlos Watkins isn't among the best three. And Lecky Foto is. Yeah, and and so we'll see how that works out. It might be one of those situations where you know, new regime, new coaching style, new new way of doing oh, things you know? fits in w- with Lecky a little more, right? Look at the defensive linemen that they've had there; those big, athletic bodies. Now, granted, Lecky hasn't done much yet, like right. But when he came out of college, the 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 potential was there, but. Like this is a guy that's 330, 330 pounds and has been as big as three fifty, but he's three thirty and moves extremely well. And it'd be interesting if, if if he's a guy that can unlock. But it's what's funny is like practice reps. He's not. You, you haven't note. There's been nothing notable about what he's done. That no one said anything about Lucky Foto. I barely noticed he was on the field. One of the two practices that was there. Well, isn't that kind of what it usually looks like? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. No, but other than that, it was just interesting to see where where Richard is because he's been, you know, they kind of raved about him a little bit. They, they, he was Monty Austin Fort named in particular Jonathan Ledbetter and Richard Lawrence when he talked about the defensive line. Ledbetter is is a guy that's that's quietly finding a nice little career. Like he was kind of their most productive outside of JJ Watt. And then like if there was JJ Watt, Zach Allen, and there was Jonathan Ledbetter. And, and you know, maybe he's got something there. Um the outside linebackers, Dennis Gardick and, and Zaven Collins, and there's no surprise there as they're listed as a starter because that's how they've been getting the reps. Now I, I am I surprised that Dennis Gardick is a first team outside backer in this defense. I, I am shocked that it is not Cameron Thomas. Yeah, so am I. And it's odd that Thomas is listed behind Zavin and not 
Gardeck, right? So my J being buried third behind right Jim behind Jim KG. It, it must just be from all the injuries, it right? Because be. he, be. he, no. he literally just came back the other day. So yeah, uh, I, you know, I think in terms of strong side, weak side, I think that's how they have him listed because Cam is the bigger bot. Like he's built like Zaven, and and well, you know, Gardick, he, he's small, and so you've got you've basically got. I, I the way I had to listen is that that Zaven was strong side and and Gardick was weak side. And so that's built like that. And so Demikaji, I think, could go either way. But but Sanders makes sense as a weak side guy. And then you've got Zaven, Camp Thomas, and B.J. Ojolari, and Jesse Laketa. There are your your bigger guys that you could put strong side and win on that side. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how these unfold. I think they would really like uh, Collins and, and the guy we're about to talk about to win these roles, right? Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. They can't, well, Cam Thomas, B.J. Ojolari, Collins, it feels like that that's going to be his role, and I hope he's not terrible because if there's one thing he's never, like he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, he's got the, the want to, dude doesn't have bend. No, but you also don't need it if you can, if you can play those, that role, like you said, of the strong side guy and be, be more of a, a guy that takes everything down. Yeah, but cornerback, I found a surprise there because Antonio Hamilton is listed as a starter next to Marco Wilson, but we have not seen Antonio Hamilton practice with the first team at all. It has been, along with Marco, who quietly is cornerback one, is Christian Matthew and Keytrell Clark. Those are the two guys that have been getting playing time at with the first team, and it's never Hamilton. Yeah, and that's why it was so odd, right? Like... We haven't really talked about Hamilton at all, and this guy just shows up as the number two <laughs> corner out of nowhere, and you're just kind of like, okay. Like, I know um, Hamilton's going to be on the roster. His 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 contract's 100% guaranteed. You know, they they paid him. It's a one and, and, and he's and he's good and he's at least special he's, teams. Like, he's at least he's going right. to be solid depth in special teams. He's going to give you a lot. At this point, this is a question. Do you think? Garrett Williams is going to get come off NFI anytime soon. It it doesn't seem like it. I think he's going to start the year on the the pop, which is what six weeks, four weeks. You know, I think because he's on NFI, he can stay on that indefinitely. I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay, because that that's a little bit different because that was a pre employment injury. Yeah, and so it's one of those things they could. <laughs> It's one of the dirty secrets of the NFL. You put a guy in yeah, a vibe, trick. you cannot pay them. You cannot pay because they weren't they got hurt not before on the job. Yeah. Now, would they do that with a guy they drafted knowing he was gonna he had a torn ACL? And but he thought he was gonna be ready by August. The fact that he hasn't been cleared yet is interesting. I wonder if they're they're legitimately going to stash him for a year. Which would be yeah, and it might be something that they do, which wouldn't be the worst thing, right? Maybe not. Which that that for me that made the the selection kind of interesting to begin with, uh, unless you viewed him as a first or second round talent. Talent, yeah. The, you could do that. Um, I guess nothing really else about the the cornerback depth chart surprises me um, at all. Not really. Um, Chris Boyd is back farther, but Chris Boyd was signed 
not for his cornerback play, more or less. He's going to probably make the team on special teams. But we also didn't talk about the inside backers. We probably should mention that. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. That's true. So you've got, now, in fairness, they list Chris Barnes next to Kaiser White. That, that's real, because that is one of the legitimate position battles, like based on, based on playing time, like, like yeah. reps with the first team. Chris, like, it'll either be Chris Barnes first, then Josh Woods, but they basically alternate series. And that's the same thing with, like, the cornerback position because of Ben Keetrell Clark and Christian Matthew. They literally alternate series, and then the same with the defensive line. And so the, the, the fact that Chris Barnes is listed at the top, I think that's more... Because I think, like, they did do with, with the punters that they're basically 1A, 1B, that they're basically even. I wonder if it's just his NFL starting experience that they put Barnes, that the media relations department put Barnes ahead of Woods, because it's felt like, from what I've seen on Twitter, because I haven't been in all the practices, is that Woods usually starts as, like, they usually start with the first team, and then they bring in Barnes for the next series. Yeah, and so... Again, it's just one of those situations that'll be interesting to kind of follow along and see how it all plays out because so far it's one of the the listings that doesn't follow with what some of the things that we've seen in practice, even if it's practice stuff that we're not reporting on. Yeah, nothing surprising about the safety position. We know that Boudin and Jalen are there Isaiah Simmons is there like that that's not surprising what is surprising and this is this I I got the feel for this before is how it, how close the punting competition is between Nolan Cooley and Matt Hawk I thought for sure when they signed Hawk that this was a done deal right um a guy that's always like he's never not been an NFL team's punter like he's never been unemployed mid-season Nolan Cooney's not proven anything in the NFL, and it looks like right now that they are, in fact, neck and neck in the in the battle for punt, and they both offer something different, because if if Cooney makes the team, he'll do cook-offs instead of Prater. Hawk is a left-footed punter, which adds a little wrinkle, and then, obviously, both they're going to have to, like, I wonder if how much the holding job will factor in. And you know, interesting fact, and this was a nugget that I found in the offseason just scouring for stats, because one of the things when, when the Cardinals signed Matt Prater, we thought, well, what are they going to do about kickoffs? Because he hadn't kicked off regularly since 2014. Matt Prater set basically franchise records for touchbacks, like touchback number of touchbacks in his season and for touchback percentage. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. For a guy who hadn't been regular kicking off since... Nine, it was since it was 2014, I believe it was, um, and so let, let me look at like this is this this is stupid. This is stupid. So the he had da, 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 he had 107 touchbacks over the last two seasons. In two seasons, he is number three all time in franchise history for touchback percentage he has the highest touchback percentage at 73.3 percent of anybody who's played more than two games 
that is crazy to me. But he also, like, remember, like last year, he also had the hip injury that that kind of affected him. So I wonder if how much the, the ability for Cooney to kick off will impact the decision on which punter they keep. Yeah, and that's what you you're always curious about as these play out is like not just the punting aspect, but the holding um, and, and things like that and how it will affect the decision-making. Um, do you think, do you think Prater has a say? I maybe, I think he probably does at least a little bit. I think ultimately, like, do you think, I think, do you I think, think they will ask him, I was going to say, do you think he'll be like, hey, I prefer this guy to hold, but, you know. Like if there's like, a significant difference, like they right. basically say, hey, is one guy from what, as you as a kicker, is one guy far and away better? And if he's far and away better and they're even on the punting, okay, that makes sense. If one is the better punter and they're even on holding, well, I guess you go with the guy that's a better punter. Or if Prater's like, I'd rather not kick off. That, that's I find that I find this battle it, it's stupid it's stupid it really is why am I worrying about the punter the punting battle it's because I'm a freaking weirdo and I write about all the details of the team but uh, this is one of the most intriguing things about this because you've got a, a developed a guy a punter they basically have developed um, with this special teams coaching staff and a guy that's been proven, like Matt Hawk. There's like he is a good punter. Eh. Right. He's he's been a very good punter in the NFL. So it's it's just interesting that, like you said, it's even a battle. But you know they <laughs> they're there more than we are. So. Yeah. Coming up next on the Rise of Seaward podcast, Mister Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on and talk about some something interesting that Isaiah Simmons said. What do we have to think about that? That's coming up next on Rise of Seaward. We're back on the Rise of Seaward podcast, the of Cardinals talk on the web, and interesting comments by Isaiah Simmons. Now, I know, like, we know, we expect him to be a better safety than he was a linebacker. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say uh, that put, moving him to linebacker made sense in a lot of ways because of his size, his speed. He did have linebacker-type instincts, but... His size and speed and length and coverage ability lended him to a really nice role as as a linebacker, and then got used used all over the place. I there was something he said that made me suggest it. Just I didn't love it. Okay, this is last to talk about this. So this is what he said in referring to the previous roles that he's had. There were times where I was playing in a position, maybe because we were down in injuries, or I don't really want to say. There were just certain circumstances that kind of played into me playing some different positions last year as opposed to doing what was best for me. Now I think doing what's best for me is actually best for the team. I just feel a little more free, more like myself, and my game. Give me your thoughts on that, because I, I didn't love it. I honestly, there, I didn't love that at all. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things for me where I look at it and it just, it tells me that there was never, um, I shouldn't say never, there was just a disconnect between what 
the team expected and what his ability to provide was. And, and when that happens, when, when you're at odds in that way, it makes it really difficult for you to feel like you're getting a fair shake and, and, you know, for the team to feel like they're getting, they're getting what they, um, drafted. Right. And so I understand it from that perspective because it's just, I, I don't think it's, I, I think it's him without necessarily taking a shot at the previous regime, basically saying like, look, this regime, they see me more for what I am um, or they'll listen to me more about what I feel like I'm, I'm going to be better at for the, for the squad. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that this is where we're at with Isaiah at this point. And, and, you know, I don't blame Isaiah, you know, he's not no. free from blame, but at the same time, like, you know, it's not his fault. And I, you know, it's well, just one of those situations. I, I, I don't like when players for me, because he embraced openly publicly playing lots of different roles. Like that was a badge of honor for him. And then to say, oh, I, you know, I, I, I didn't, what, what they asked me to do wasn't really, and then obviously football's a team sport. The Cardinals were in a situation last year where he was their best op- option at, at slot corner, hands down. And the truth is, he was fine. He was fine, ex- except for week one when he, and, and admittedly, was unprepared. The whole team was unprepared playing bad technique for whatever reason, got in the doghouse, and in week one played very poorly against Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, but so many people do that anyway. From that week forward, his role in the slot, he wasn't exposed. And he was he was covering all the guys in the slot. We're not just talking tight ends. We're talking running backs that, that, you know, that would flex slot receivers. And, and so, you know, obviously, that wasn't his best thing. But it was what the team needed most from him because they found themselves in a really sticky situation at cornerback when Jeff Gladney died, and then they didn't. They they needed they needed Byron to play border, they needed him to play boundary, and then Antonio Hamilton got hurt, you know, got burned, and so it was it was a case where they only had, they honestly only had two cornerbacks that they trusted to begin with, and that was Marco, um, that was that was Byron and Antonio. Then maybe three Marco because they 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 soured a little bit on Marco early, but not a lot. They they basically was saying that that Antonio outplayed him the whole time. They only had three guys that they trusted. They had a guy die, they had a guy get burned, and so they had to have Isaiah in the slot. And so it's, you know this happens on every NFL team, especially when you're a when you are a versatile player, a talented flex like positionless almost like. You're going to get put where the team needs you most, and maybe that's not the best thing for you. And maybe it's because of the, 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 the blowback that he feels from fans for not being a star. There's nothing wrong about what the Cardinals did last year. The defense needed him to play slot because if he played linebacker and someone else played slot in that system, it didn't work. Now this year was interesting. 
We've always heard that Jalen Thompson could cover the slot. He is their slot guy. It's like this coaching staff really likes that element of JT's game more than what Vance Joseph and his defense want. Or or maybe it was simply because they loved his reliability on the back end more than they liked his ability to cover in the slot. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those situations where, again, I think you look at a guy like Simmons and he was being asked to do a lot without having success. And that starts to weigh on guys. Um, That starts to weigh on them feeling like, you know, are they being utilized incorrectly? Are they not getting the opportunities they deserve? There's a lot of things that play into that. And, And so for me, I think that's where it comes into is that it's just you look at it, they had opportunities and, and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. And it's unfortunate. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I feel like obviously Vince Joseph is in a different place. Now the the Cardinals are in different place, different, you know, going about things a different way. So you just look at it and you, you have to think that it it's for the better of everybody right now as opposed to Yeah, and it makes sense. And and it does make, you know, playing linebacker was probably a more difficult task than what he's being asked to do as a safety. Safety you well, need to it, you need to make some plays but and it was one of the things that I've talked about from the beginning is that I feel like too often we got caught up in this whole situation right of like oh he's so versatile and it's like it took this dude three years to become something at clemson playing college football i don't think people realize that extraordinary jump that then we were asking him to make as a as an nfl player to do multiple things and again, he just, I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't good at one thing, right? So, like, he never got a chance to be good at one and then carry on to the next. And, and so- that, that is the, the strategy for this team. Granted, he's only got one year left on his deal. So, if he was like, maybe his role will expand. And it's funny that he says he feels more free. Of course, he is. He's playing a free safety position. There is far less, there's a lot more freedom you have on the back end as long as you're roughly where you're supposed to be, a linebacker playing the wrong leverage in the middle of the defense or having rushing the wrong gap, like that role messes things up more than now. If if Isaiah isn't as reliable in the, on the back end as Jalen Thompson was, that leads to big plays. And it turned like that's what instead of a ten to fifteen yard play, it's it's a touchdown. And that's one thing that, that Vance Joseph loved about Jalen Thompson is he tackled so well, and when there was a mistake, it was only a 15-yard mistake because he would take care of that. So right. it'll be interesting to see. But I, I just personally didn't love that because it felt like, like, why are you dumping on the last? Like, you embraced those roles. You wanted that challenge. And, and sure, now it's easier, but you're being asked to do you are you are being asked to do far less than you were asked to do before because either 
they don't believe as much in you or don't want to overburden you or they, you know, it was evident that, or maybe they never, like, it feels like they never saw him as a linebacker when there were a lot of people in the NFL who did see him as a, as a potential linebacker. Yeah. And that's, and that's just what it is. And again, I think it just comes down to seeing that a player isn't having the success and then scaling back as opposed to adding more when he's not having the success. Right. <laughs> yeah. makes sense. I mean, I don't have any problem. Like I just didn't love the way it came across. Like it was almost like he was complaining about his role. I'm like, Dude, you you wanted to play everywhere. Now, granted, right. maybe slot wasn't what you wanted to do, but guess what? They didn't they didn't have a better option in the slot last year, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anything else you want to bring up? No, it's just exciting. I mean, we get the first uh, look at the new regime in preseason. It's going to be completely useless and awful and <laughs> and not mean anything in the long term but it is it is fun that we have real football coming up yep on a friday night you know too much you know so much for date night we'll be watching the football game right um, exactly <laughs> but with that we'll end this edition of the rise up Red podcast best of cardinals talking web it's a 449 i will be on in the next couple of days to do another show, smaller show, before the preseason game, kind of what to watch, things like that, so on and so forth, any other news. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is the Rise Up Secret Podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.